to our church, to God. We had over 30 adults join our church last Sunday. Can we just clap to God for that this morning? So great to be a part of a growing church. So glad you've come to the early service this morning. I want to welcome you, and I'm glad you came to the early service because the late service last week was absolutely packed. And so, and we're still in the summer months. And so, uh, as school's starting back, we, we just know that God is going to just continue to bless us and grow. And we'll be, we started the third service, which is the uh, bilingual service that is going to be at one o'clock. And, uh, and we're excited about what God is doing there and the people that are coming to faith in Christ in that service. But we're also excited because we know that we are at the place where we need to start a third service or a fourth service for, um, for more space as we're here at EBC. Five easy steps to wreck your life. And now some of you, as I've kind of mentioned this series, some of you have asked if we're going to have open mic night about that and that, that you can maybe kind of speak into that. Some of you, I've asked if you know a little bit about that and a number of you have raised your hands and said, yeah, that's me. And uh, now let me just share this before we really dive into this today. I want to give credit where credit is due. This is a series idea that we got from a great church that's up in Oklahoma called Life Church. And uh, I'm just very grateful to them for the uh, resources that they make available to us and, and also for their inspiration uh, in taking on some serious issues that I know that a lot of people are dealing with. And uh, as Randy said also, this, let me just give you another disclaimer. It's in your bulletin. And, and Randy mentioned this. This is not going to be... Your grandma's Sunday morning message, okay? I just want to let you know that it is going to be PG, or you could say GG, grandma guidance if needed, okay? But let me tell you this. These are some real issues over the course of these coming weeks that I know for a fact that people are dealing with, that people are dealing with within our church. I've seen it over and over again right here within our church to, and I've seen these things happen to people that I love very much. And, and so these issues, it's my belief, these issues need to be addressed in church. These things that we're going to be talking about, they need to be addressed with God's people because what I'm seeing as a pastor is far too many believers that are falling prey to the enemy's schemes, specifically in these areas that we're going to be talking about in the next few weeks. And so... What I just believe is that we as churches need to quit sticking our head in the sand and acting like these things aren't happening and acting like this stuff isn't happening with people right here within our own congregation because it is. And so we need to deal with it. So let's dive in this morning. Everyone, if I could get you just to participate with me right now, if you will. Um, could I just get a show of hands of how many of you are married this morning? Would you just raise your hands this morning? Okay, you can kind of look around, see many, many married folks that are here within our service. Um, how about those of you who you're not married, but you're kind of hoping to be married? Are there any of those this morning? You can kind of look around, kind of just keep your hands up, keep looking around. You might meet eyes with somebody, change your life forever. It's happened here. I'm telling you, I'm just trying to help you out a little bit. Okay, keep looking. You, you, their hands are going up. Okay, let me ask you, for those who raise their hands in all, in all uh, categories this morning, how many of you, you are right now, you are planning on committing adultery at some point? Anybody? Anybody planning on that? Anybody? Just raise your hands up high. Anybody this morning? Okay, I'm so glad nobody raised their hands because that was going to make for a really awkward moment, especially if your spouse is here. All right? And, uh, and, and here's the thing. So many of us, by obviously the no show of hands, obviously we agree with what we find in God's word where God speaks about this issue of adultery. 
where God speaks into the life of people who are followers of God. And he says, this is something. Now, many of us, we'd say we believe this. We're, yes, Pastor Barr, we are 100% with you on this. We raise our hands. We're not planning on doing this. And, and I believe that. Here's what God's Word says. Exodus chapter 20, verse 14. This is one of the commandments that God has given us. This is one of the big ten. Can we just say it out loud together? Say it with me. You shall not commit adultery. And so we're like, man, that's a great word. Yes, I believe that. That's a value that I hold in my life. And it's so interesting to me that nobody plans on committing adultery. And God says, do not commit adultery. But if you're taking notes this morning, according to the Journal of Psychology and Christianity, I want you to write this down because this is staggering to me. 65% of husbands and 55% of wives, according to this study that they did, will commit adultery by the age of 40. Wow. I mean, can we just get a big collective sigh or groan? Ooh, you know, I mean, that's, that's staggering when we see this, that that, that amount will commit adultery, in, 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 you know, according to their study, and I'm sure there's a give and take few percentage points. We know that one out of every two marriages, a little more than that, will end in divorce, and oftentimes this is a big part of that. All of us this morning would say, I don't plan on committing adultery, yet according to statistics, a lot of us right here in this room, either you will or you already have. And a simple answer as we look at this, you know, is here's what I know. Why is this happening? Here is absolutely what I know is that we have a spiritual enemy who his mission, we're talking about Satan, his mission is to steal kill and destroy everything that is important to the heart of God. And the covenant of a marriage relationship is something that is incredibly important to the heart of God. So don't you know that our enemy is going after that? Our enemy wants to destroy that. He wants to destroy families. He wants to destroy lives. And, and for me, I, I, when I start thinking about that, and as I start thinking about it as a husband, I start thinking about it as a father, I start thinking about that as a pastor from what I've observed with people that I love so much and how I've watched it wreck their life, it angers me when I see the enemy getting a foothold in people's lives in this area. When I see it destroying people around us. You know, we think, well, this is just something that I just don't know that I'm ever going to, to struggle with this. But you know what I know? And football season is here. And, I, and, that, and, and I'm excited about that. So I have to bring in a football reference. Here's what the enemy does. He studies our game films. I know the coaches and players and all that. We understand what that means. He's watching for weaknesses in our life. He's watching for ways to exploit us. He can't predict your future. He can't force you into anything. You can't blame him, but he sure can set you up in some incredible ways. He studies our game films. And what happens is he plants these landmines that ultimately end up taking so many of us out. And usually, you know how he does it? It's not all up in your face. It's usually just a little bit by a little bit. Just a little bit. He can get you to compromise in one little bit, in one little area. And you've compromised, and then the next thing you know, you're kind of justifying what that was, and then you take another step. And let me just give you an example. It could just start by the things that we put into our minds, by the things that we watch, or the things that we listen to. 
Maybe we start rationalizing that, that it's no big deal that, that most of the programs that are on television, most of them glorify extramarital relationships, if we're just being honest. True? And so what we do is we get used to that. We accept that as a norm. And we just say, well, that's just kind of the way it is. Everybody's watching this, you know, and, and so I'll just go ahead and just kind of be like everybody else rather than going, you know, there's something wrong with that. There's something wrong with the glorification of an extramarital relationship and making it look to be everything that it's not. And instead of showing the consequences that come along with those kinds of things, it's glorified and it's encouraged in so many ways. So here's what we do. And, and I'm not against TV or anything. If you came to my house, you know, I got a TV, you know, I watch TV. But here's the thing. I just think as believers, we need to start having some discernment with the things that we put into our brains. The things that we're absorbing, the things that we approve of. And, and so we take a step there. We justify a little bit there. We take a step. Next thing you know, and this happens in every single marriage. Next thing you know, we start kind of uh, rationalizing maybe if we're not so happy in our marriage. We start saying things like this to ourselves. You know, I'm just, I'm just a little bit dissatisfied right now. My marriage has not turned out to be the way that I really hope that it would be right now. Or it's not what brother so-and-so's marriage looks like or, or what that family's, you know, family looks like. And, and I'm just really, I'm just dissatisfied with it. And so then we start doing this. We start saying things like this. Is it really a sin for me to say that I'm dissatisfied? Is it wrong for me to, to really want to be happy in my life and and, and if this person that I'm with cannot make me happy, then, you know, I enjoy being with this other person. I enjoy being around them. They post nice things on my Facebook page. They send me nice text messages. And we, we start justifying a little bit more each time. And, you know, it's, it's not as simple. God, what, I have one guy tell me this. What I know God wants for me more than anything else in my life. And this was a guy that, was, that I was dealing with that was in an extramarital relationship. He was wrecking his family. And here's what he told me. What I believe is that God wants me to be happy more than anything else. I said, okay. Well, and we'll talk about that here in just a minute. That's what you think, huh? So here's the thing that I thought that I would just go ahead and, and help us because oftentimes we, we start taking these little bitty steps. We don't even know where we cross the line sometimes. So I just thought I would just make things a little more clear and help you out this morning. If, if it is in your plans maybe to commit adultery, let's just go ahead and, and I'll just give you some steps that you can go ahead and uh, some practical steps that I might add. Um, because years from now, you, you never know. You may wake up and you may, you may be like, you know what? By golly, I am in the mood for an extramarital relationship. Or, or by golly, I'm in the mood for adultery or whatever it is. And I just thought that maybe you could pull out your old sermon notes and uh, maybe you could just kind of go down this list and, and, and maybe these would be things that would be helpful for you, okay? So I'm going to show you five easy steps to wreck your life with the sin of adultery. Are we ready? All right, so let's take notes. If you're taking notes this morning... You never know, you might need these. Number one, here's, here's, a good, here's how you start this off. You start by neglecting your marriage. This is one of the first things that you do. You start by neglecting your marriage. And there are all kinds of ways that you can do this. I mean, there are many different ways for you to neglect your marriage. There, I really recommend that you just find something. 
anything, anything outside of your marriage that you can give most of your energy to. And let me tell you, you're on the pathway, right? If that's what you're trying to do, it could be your business and not that your business is bad. That's good that you have a business, but it could be a business. It could be, you know, um, a, a second job because things are tough right now. It could be something really good. It could be your hobby that you start investing most of your time in. It could be your children that gets all of your attention at all times. It doesn't matter what it is. You just need to find something, something else, and invest a majority of your energy in that very thing, uh, except for investing time in your marriage. Now, also, as you're neglecting your marriage, you're going to want to avoid all intimacy. This is, this is important that you avoid all intimacy. No relational intimacy. Don't talk openly with one another. If you're married, plan on just not talking about things and not being open with each other. And, and uh, you know, it's important that you don't share your heart with your spouse. And, 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 and it's really important that you don't listen to your spouse. Whenever they're trying to tell you something, just work really, really hard at becoming like roommates and you will be on your way to uh, this particular thing in your life. And if you can, avoid all sexual intimacy, as well as, you know, no sex with your spouse, if at all possible. And if you're going to be intimate physically, if you are going to be that, be sure to be totally boring. Be sure to be totally predictable. And so st- say it with me. Step number one is to do what? Say it with me. If you're going to do this, you might as well know how to do it, right? Neglect your marriage. That's what you want to do first. If you want to wreck your life, if that's what you're headed for. Number two, I've got a little bit of a ring, Andrew, a little bit of a ring still. Enjoy common interest. Number two, enjoy common interest and form an emotional bond with someone else outside of your outside of your marriage there. Enjoy some common interest and form an emotional bond with someone else. You neglect your marriage first. And then as the dissatisfaction is kicking in, you start forming an emotional bond with another person. It's really helpful to have an activity that you can do together with this other person. Maybe you're on a project at work together, and so you can spend a lot of time together doing this. Or it could be that you're playing on a co-ed softball team, and so you're spending a lot of time. You have some common interests there. Or it could just be, quite honestly, your life group is a really good place to find something like that as well. That can be fine. You can find a person there. Or when you do something that you enjoy together and you start opening up, then you can actually start sharing your feelings with that person instead of sharing those feelings with your spouse. That's a good way to foster that relationship on even further. And and be sure to open up to this person because they're the ones that really understand you more. They understand you more. They understand you better. It's, It's a good thing, if you can, to talk about your marriage with that person and talk about how dissatisfied you really are with with that person about your marriage. It helps that other person to know that you're not happy. So I would I would encourage you, if, if, if that's uh, kind of what you're thinking, to go along those lines, then be sure to talk about that. If, if you're spiritual and maybe you're a believer, the, the thing that you could do to kind of disguise this spiritually is you could ask that other person of the of the opposite sex to pray for your marriage because your marriage is in so much trouble. You get them praying for your marriage because now it looks spiritual. And, and this is how things, you know, would, would be a more spiritual step of committing adultery is by getting this other person to pray for your jacked up marriage. It's a good step where you open up emotionally 
And, uh, and that person may even begin to respect you because you're a spiritual person. Here's step number three. Step number one, neglect your marriage. Step number two, form an emotional bond with another person. Step number three, as the bond has been formed, here's what you do. You start anticipating your time together. Start anticipating that time together. When you found someone that you have this emotional bond with, you've got to get back in the gym, okay? You've got to get back in the gym. You've got to do your hair. You've got to put your makeup on if you've not been putting your makeup on, ladies. And, and this is all, not for your husband or for your wife. This is all for this other person. You don't dare let your husband or wife, let them see you looking good again. You don't dare do that, okay? But when you're going out, you want to be sure, you know, around this other guy or this other gal, look good. Ladies, if you've got stuff, show it. I mean, whatever you need to do to foster this thing along, just do what you need to do. Make up an excuse. If you can't find an excuse to be with this person, start inventing some excuses so you can be with them. So you want to start anticipating your time together. Here's the, here's the fourth thing, okay? If you're taking notes on how to wreck your marriage uh, in this particular way, flirt whenever possible. As much as possible, whenever possible. Get creative. Ladies, that little hair flip thing that some of you know how to do. Now, because I want to be really instructional, I would have loved to have shown you that hair flip thing. But obviously, I can't help you in this this morning. Okay? For obvious reasons. But that little hair flip thing, you know, with whoever it might be, that's a good thing. Or, or guys, you just need to flex your muscles. Like when you're giving directions. Oh yeah, you go down this way and then you turn back that way or or if that's too old school then just be really really sensitive because that's what they're looking for today is sensitivity you got to really know how to be sensitive you know leave little notes leave little post-its i was thinking about you today how are you doing i've been wondering about that email it works great although it can be detected so danger be careful with that I highly recommend texting, but just make sure that you delete the text because I've got two words for you. Tiger Woods, okay? Um, two words just to think about. Um, also, some other words to think about. Golf club upside your head could be another few words to think about. If you are going to use text, be sure that you delete those little encouraging messages on text. And if you do so, you're in good shape. But flirt. Flirt, flirt as much as you possibly can flirt with everyone except your spouse. And then finally, step number five is make excuses and rationalize your actions. Start making excuses and rationalize your actions. Make all kinds of these crazy excuses. Tell yourself, men, if my wife were meeting my needs in, <clears throat> you know what I mean, if she were meeting my needs well, then we wouldn't be uh, having this kind of problem. Or we wouldn't be looking elsewhere. Or ladies, if my husband had a sensitive bone in his body, then I wouldn't have to, you know, be like this. Or whatever it is that you might say. Or if my spouse were just making me happy, that's their job is to make me happy. Then this, just the same way this other person makes me happy. And we all know, as this one gentleman who gave me the great advice said, Above all else, what God wants is our happiness, right? That's what's first place, at least in this mindset. So you rationalize. You lie to yourself. But the most important thing you have to do, if you don't catch anything else I'm saying today, in knowing how to do this, knowing how to head down that path or trajectory towards an adulterous relationship, 
Here's the number one thing that you do. This isn't in your notes, but here's what I would encourage you to do. Please start saying that would never happen to me. Start saying that because that, that's a surefire way to get you going in that direction. Start thinking these thoughts. I'm in complete control. Adultery? What are you talking about, Pastor? This would never happen to me. This message is for somebody else. I can kind of check out on this, okay? Now, let me just say this, that if you are new to Eagles View Church, I hope that you understand that I'm being rather sarcastic today. Some of you might be leaning over to your wife or husband. I mean, I heard about these liberal churches or whatever. I don't know. Okay. And, uh, but I hope you understand I'm being incredibly sarcastic. As sarcastic as I'm being on a more serious note, I just have to say this, that having been a pastor for the amount of time that I have been a pastor in the years that I've been ministering to people, I cannot tell you the countless number of times I've seen people just like you who never intended to commit the sin of adultery, who have gotten hooked and who have gotten lured into something just like a lamb going to the slaughter as your spiritual enemy step by step by step leads you into something that could be incredibly, incredibly destructive and painful. I've watched it over and over and over again. And I've also seen this. This issue is really sensitive to my heart because I've seen pastors and I have worked on staff for pastors who did not have accountability in their lives, who believed that they were also invulnerable to these kinds of failures and moral failures in their lives. I've worked on staff with men that I've watched that have fallen, that have personally shipwrecked the faith of thousands of people because of their disillusionment with their pastor's sin. I've seen it ruin ministries. I've seen it ruin families. I've watched it split churches wide open. I've watched it alienate friendships and destroy friends. I've seen it bring shame on the church and the name of Jesus Christ and undermine the gospel message of Jesus over and over again. This stuff is the real deal that we're battling with. It is real. And as I said earlier, we need to stop sticking our head in the sand. And acting like it's not real. It absolutely wrecks lives. It wrecks lives. So please don't think that I'm making light of this with the sarcasm. It's very serious. What I'd like to do with the rest of our time together is to look in the Bible. In Proverbs chapter 5, if you have your Bibles, turn there with me to Proverbs chapter 5. We have a bit of scripture that we're going to be looking at, so we couldn't get it all on your notes. So I, I hope you'll turn in your Bibles. That's important to turn in your Bibles. You can follow along also on the screen. But Proverbs chapter 5, if you are ever feeling sexually vulnerable and tempted, and every man in here could raise his hand and say, I know what you're talking about. And ladies, I know that you can too. But if you're ever feeling this way, where you're feeling sexually tempted or you're sexually vulnerable, then I encourage you to read Proverbs chapter 5 about five times in a row, because it literally will beat it out of you. As you start reading it, it will bring about the consequences that go along with this. King Solomon, this, this great wise man, is, is writing to one of his sons, and he's saying, Son, you have to stay away from this temptation. This temptation of the adulterous woman. 
And now, men, you could look at it this way and read it that way. Now, ladies, you may look and think, well, he's talking about an adulterous woman. That's, this has nothing to do with me. You can look at it metaphorically this morning in the whole just temptation of sexual sin in general. We, we're going to break this into a few different sections uh, to make it easy and practical as we talk about God's Word. And we're going to kind of break this passage down. But basically what the father is saying to his son is you have to do whatever it takes because at some point in your life, this temptation is going to be real for you. This temptation is going to be something that you're dealing with, and you better be ready to do whatever it takes to get out of it. So thought number one, if you're taking notes, the father basically says to his son, son, do whatever it takes, number one, to radically reduce the the risks or the steps here. Do whatever it takes to radically reduce the risks. Proverbs chapter 5, let's start in verse 8 here, and I encourage you to read the whole chapter, but for time's sake, let's start in verse 8. He's he's speaking of this adulterous woman, speaking to his young son, trying to spare his son much misery in his life. And look at what he says in verse 8. He says, keep to a path far from her. Do not go near the door of her house, lest you do what? You give your best strength to others. And your years to one who is cruel. Lest strangers feast on your wealth and your toil and uh, enrich another man's house. He's saying, do whatever you can to reduce the risk. The father says, son, stay away. You're not strong enough to endure that temptation. You've got to remove yourself from the situation here. See, this is the problem is that so many of us, we believe that the, that the line of adultery is way, way, way off, far away from us. That it's way over there. That we're not susceptible to it. And it's way over there. And we're like, you know, I, I am maybe emotionally connected to this other person. And I, but I think I've got this under control. I can handle this. And, and, you know, we just kind of enjoy each other's company. And, and I know we probably shouldn't, but, but you know, we do. And, and, and we've not done anything physically. It's not gone like that. We just kind of flirt around with the whole idea of this. You see, the problem is that where we think the line is way, way over there, God says the line is right here. And we need to watch out. We need to beware God says that the, that the line of adultery doesn't start way over there. The line of adultery is oftentimes crossed right here and right here. Look at what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, verse 28. Obviously, you can see this was an important passage or an important thought to Jesus. He says, I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has done what? Has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Well, I mean, I'm right over here and the line is way over there. And the father's saying, no, you can't think that way. You've got to guard your heart right now. You've got to guard your heart and what you're thinking. Guard your mind. Minimize all risk. Think of of Joseph, or those of you that know his story. Think of Joseph getting out of Dodge whenever he was sexually tempted by Potiphar's wife, who more than likely was an incredibly beautiful woman. Think of Joseph just saying, i, I got to get out of here. I have to leave this situation. Th- think of these other situations where Paul told young Timothy, who was this upcoming pastor, Paul told Timothy, he said, you must flee this immorality when it's around you. Don't put yourself in that position. You'll be inclined to caving in to something like this. He said, get out of there. You must flee. I mean, flee means 
Hit the road. Get out. Don't put yourself in that kind of temptation or that situation. Some, some maybe, so maybe those of you who are married, this is just kind of a good little test that you can do. You can kind of, you can kind of ask yourself this. If, if maybe we were to keep a video all day long of your interactions with other people and, and, we, we sh- and other women or other men, and we showed this video to your spouse, is it something that you would be proud of in the way that you've behaved? And your spouse is not around. Andy's still got a little bit of a ring. Just a little bit of a ring. Um, if we were to show a video like that, if we were to take your emails or all of your texts or all of your Facebook messages, if all of that were fair game and your spouse looked at all of this, would you say, you know, I'm walking with integrity in these areas. It's something that I would not really mind if my spouse were to see something like this. Or, or, you, or, or, or would it be like, man, I cannot let her see those things. It's going to cause some serious problems. Or, or ladies, or I, I couldn't let my husband see how I interact with other men whenever my husband's not around. Now, for those of you who are single, it's really easy today to kind of kick back and think, you know what? Free pass today. Pastor Bart, give it to those married folks because I'm kicked back. I'm just enjoying it today. But let me, let me just say, you know, as we married folks are sweating through this message for a few different reasons. It's not only hot, but it's also maybe a little hot spiritually in certain ways. I'm not going to let you single folks off either. I'd ask you to do this. If, if your behavior today was recorded on video and was shown to your future spouse, would it be something that you would be proud of? The behavior that you, that you are engaged in now, is it something that's honoring your future spouse if you're going to be married one day? Is it something that honors God in the way that you act with the opposite sex? Because let's just get real honest, there are a lot of people who are crossing the sexual line of sin with people before they are married. This is very prominent and prevalent in our society. And, and, and I don't know what you could call it. There are all kinds of things we could call it. But one of the things I think we can call it is premarital adultery. Because, in essence, you're committing adultery against your future spouse that God has for you in one day. So, so would they be proud of your actions? Uh, would, would, they be, would God be honored by the way that you talk to men or women of the, you know, or the opposite sex there? Basically, what you're doing, if you are a single person and you're engaged in this kind of lifestyle, I say this with all the love in my heart, you're building your life on a foundation of sin, And by building your life on a foundation of sin, if it's not dealt with and confessed and allowing God in His wonderful grace to bring about a change in your life in this area, let me tell you what I see happening is I see those same patterns following people into their marriages. We think, well, I'll just get married and that will change all of that. No, it doesn't. Is this harsh or is it just the truth? The father says, keep a path far from her. Do whatever it takes to radically reduce the risk. Let me give you just five kind of bullet points of ways, very practical ways of things that you can do to to just minimize the risks in your life, to reduce the risk. First thing and most important is this, is to keep a growing relationship with Christ. To keep this relationship with Jesus that you have something that's thriving, And we'll talk more about this in the coming weeks because so many of us, we start drifting in our relationship with God. And then again, we wake up and we're like, how in the world did I end up like this spiritually? And how did these other things creep back into my life? The reality is, is that 
if you are in God's Word and you're reading Scripture and you're saturating your mind with the Word of God and you're being led by the Holy Spirit of God, then whenever you start to sin, the Holy Spirit is going to be, bring His sweet and tender conviction in your life and, and either you will back away or if you're already engaged in this sin, you will be broken before God and you will repent and, 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 and immediately and say, God, forgive me, I've, I've messed up in this area. And, but, but if you're walking intimately in Christ, there's an accountability that the Holy Spirit has in your life. But when you start to put Christ aside, when you start neglecting your relationship with God because of busyness in your life or whatever else is going on, when you start neglecting your relationship, it's so easy to cross lines that you never even noticed. And you end up saying, how in the world did this happen? So you've got to start by keeping an intimate, growing relationship with God. Here's another thing. Second thing is, I encourage you never to be alone with the wrong people. To never be alone with the wrong people. Now, let me just say for a moment, in, in my world, in, in the world in which I live, in the ministry, professional ministry kind of world, and, and we have this as an ethical standard here uh, for our staff to not be alone with the opposite sex as much as we can prevent that. To not be alone with the opposite sex, not because we don't trust the opposite sex or trust other people um, or that we don't trust ourselves in a sense. It's just that it's just wise to avoid all appearance of evil. The scripture tells us to avoid appearance of evil. And so some of you, you may think that's totally stupid. I think that that's stupid. I really don't care if you think that that's stupid. That is an ethical standard that we have for our staff because over and over again, and it's something that is sensitive to my heart because I've watched so many pastors that have fallen in this area. And it's an area that I think that we see so often, we see it just crossing small little lines step by step. And the next thing you know, well, we're having to tell you that someone on staff has had an affair. And so it's an important thing for us to be able to say straight up from the beginning, I want to encourage you to make this high on your radar that you don't meet with someone of the opposite sex without a door open or someone can see you or there's a window or see that you're having this conversation. Um, and, and if at all possible, encourage, if, if, if you're a man, encourage, uh, and a woman has come to you, encourage maybe another spiritually mature lady to come alongside this lady, uh, and to help this lady. It's just, it's just one of our standards that we have. And, and I know in the business world, it's, it's honestly, it's shocking to me how low the standards can be. I know that it's like this, and I know there are some things that you just absolutely cannot avoid. I understand that. This isn't a message of condemnation if you are in a place where you have to do that. But in so many places, business places, it's not always something that you have to do. There are other ways of being able to do business. And in so many places, it's just kind of acceptable for a man and for a woman to, who are not married, but maybe they're married, but they're not married to one another, to go to lunch together or to have a business dinner together or, or to just to be totally alone. And, and, you know, again, the Scripture says to avoid all appearance of evil. And I know some of you, you don't, you don't think that this is a valid point, but, but I'm just going to tell you right now that I've watched this happen to a couple right in our own church, that it started off with innocent little lunches and, and, and it was just, it was a family. And, and then the next thing you know, this family is split up and destroyed. They're not a part of our church anymore. Um, I've watched it wreck their life. And it all started with this kind of stuff right here. It all started with just small little steps, small little compromises, not guarding their hearts, not, not realizing that we're all tempted in one way or another when it comes to this. 
We put ourselves in vulnerable places. So Solomon questions the wisdom of this. He says, keep far from her. And again, ladies, you can think of it this way. Keep far from that situation. Keep far from this. Keep a path far from this. Here's another thing that I want to encourage you to do. Never talk badly about your marriage with the wrong people. And, and, and you know, and this is what we a lot of times do. You know, hey, hey, will you, can you pray for me about this? Or our marriage isn't doing that good. And my husband, he's just not understanding. And I'm talking about we do this with, you know, the opposite sex. And he just doesn't listen to me or she doesn't listen to me or she doesn't care for me in this way. And the next thing you know, an emotional bond is starting to be formed there. Or if there is someone that maybe that's on their radar and they may not raise their hand and say they want to commit adultery. I don't think anybody would do that. But there are some that would say, yeah, I'm kind of looking for that. And so whenever you show that vulnerability in that sense, then you just kind of open the door for something that could be unholy. Just don't even go there. It's totally inappropriate. If you're having marriage problems, you need to find the right people to discuss that with. You need to find a good Christian counselor to be able to open up with, a place where that's safe. You need to find a pastor, or if you are a lady, I encourage you to find someone who's more spiritually mature than you are in your walk, who is of the same sex, to be able to discuss this, because it's very likely they've been through some of the same things that you're going through now. You need to find the right people to talk about this with. Here's what this leads to next. You should surround yourself with other strong marriages. Surround yourself with other strong marriages. Now, admittedly, if you're in a Christian marriage, I want to encourage all of you who are believers and you're in a Christian marriage. I do think it's important that we have some younger couples in our lives that we are mentoring and helping along. I think it's important that every believer be mentoring and discipling and bring somebody along. You can do this as couples. But here is the thing that I've noticed, that if all you have is a bunch of very wild friends who do not have the same standards that you have, who do not have the standards of a holy God, and all you're doing is surrounding yourself by those kinds of friends at all times, and and, and all they do, the ladies trash talk their husbands, and the husbands go out to strip clubs, and they're all having affairs with each other. It's like Melrose Place on your street or whatever. I don't know. I I don't know how else to say this, but, but it's kind of a dumb thing to continue to surround yourself with those kinds of folks all the time. Now, you know that my heart as a pastor is that we reach out to those that are broken, that are hurting, that are messed up, that are living in sin. I'm not saying we isolate ourselves from those people because we're supposed to be reaching out to them. But you'd better be sure that you have some strong friendships around you that can encourage you when you go through the hard times in your marriage. You need strong Christian friends that can strengthen your marriage, that can challenge your marriage, and you do the same for them. In the meantime, we continue to reach out to those that are hurting and that are struggling in these ways. We don't isolate. We just have to be wise in the way that we do this. There needs to be wisdom. Finally, if you're taking notes, you avoid all inappropriate places and situations. You avoid this, and I don't know what that would be for for you, but some come to mind if you're Maybe you're on a business trip. You are on a business trip. And have you noticed when you go on a business trip and you don't know anybody else, it's just easier to let your guard down in a lot of ways. 
You know, and you're on a business trip and and everyone else is it's late and everyone else is going out for drinks and they're staying out late. And and and, you know, and you know that you're susceptible to messing up in certain areas whenever maybe you start drinking or or whenever. Then you know what you need to just you need to just determine right now. That's probably not a good idea for me to go do that. It's not worth me taking the uh, the or having the possibility of me wrecking my life or, or how about this how, how about another thing you, you uh facebook big right now facebook is a big deal right and and we're all reconnecting with people that we grew up with right and, and in some ways it's kind of fun but I, let me tell you what i'm seeing more and more as a pastor i'm seeing this so much i'm seeing people who reconnect on facebook maybe they grew up with them maybe they used to be boyfriend and girlfriend and they think that it would probably just be all right if maybe we got back together by ourselves, had a lunch together, or did something like that. And I'm just going to say this. That's kind of stupid on steroids is what I think, okay? It's, it's not a wise idea to begin to do this. I'm not saying that you can't be friendly and you can't say hello and you can't post nice. I'm not saying anything like that. I'm just saying I'm seeing more and more adulterous relationships that are beginning with people who don't know how to handle something like Facebook. And the enemy, I'm not saying Facebook's bad. I think it's, I have a Facebook page. Uh, I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying that if we're not wise, the Bible, Jesus tells us to be wise as serpents, but harmless as a dove. To be wise, to be shrewd in our relationships, to, to be careful, to remember in the back of our minds that we have an enemy that wants to wreck our lives. And would love to trip us up in certain ways and but I'm seeing this more and more. Your ex-flame contacts you, you know, that old person that had a crush on you. Things are different now. Maybe your marriage is not so good right now. And so, you know, but here's what I'm th- thinking, man. When that happens, you be nice. You say hello. Good to hear from you again. And then you run, forest, run. Okay? You need to get out of there. Do whatever it takes to radically reduce the risk. Keep a path far from her. Some of you disagree with me on these things, but again, I'm seeing it so much over and over again. So I'm just thinking we have to be preemptive in our thinking. Preemptive. The Father says, be wise, reduce your risk. Here's another thing He says to do. He says this, to invest passionately in your marriage. To invest passionately, and passionate is a key word there. Verse 18, chapter 5 of Proverbs. Here's what he says to his son. May your fountain be blessed. I know some of you are thinking, fountain? He has a fountain? Oh, well, let's just keep reading, okay? May your fountain be blessed. And may you rejoice in the wife of your youth. Can we say rejoice? Rejoice. It's good, right? A loving doe and a graceful deer. May her breast satisfy you always. May you ever be captivated. Can you say captivated? Captivated by her love. Why be captivated, my son, by an adulteress? Why embrace the bosom of another man's wife? Now, I know what some of you are thinking. You're thinking, oh, no, he did not just go there. (laughs) Oh, yes, I did. Because God did. Did you see this? God went here. God in His Word. Solomon could have said it this way. Whenever the grass starts looking greener elsewhere, water your own yard. 
That, that's a paraphrased version. The Hebrew word that's translated as captivated is the word shagah. Everybody say shagah. There's your new word for the week, okay? Shagah. In the Hebrew language, one word can almost be like an entire paragraph. One word can be like a whole sentence, not just just one little word. I mean, it's descriptive in the Hebrew language. And this is the this one word, shagah. It's like a whole thought. It's not one little word. It's a picture word. And this word shagah means to be captivated. It's this idea of an animal that captures and kills and eats another animal. In other words, ravished. Let me tell you how it can be translated. To be ravished. You just see the lion ravishing the gazelle. To be captivated. To be enraptured. To be intoxicated with. To be consumed. This is, this is what you should be with the wife of your youth. Why have that with someone else is what he's saying here. Now here's what I, I've got to tell you. And I, have to, I can say this with all integrity. Hope and I, we just celebrated 18 years of marriage two Sundays ago. 18 years. Yeah, you can clap. That's good. And I want to say this, and, and I know she's totally embarrassed by this. She's in the back. But I am more captivated by her now than whenever we first started dating. She's fine, okay? And, <laughs> and, uh, and I'm telling you this, that we are closer now we're more intimate and more in love today. And let me tell you why. It is not by accident. It is very intentional. It is very deliberate. It is because we have to work at it. And by the way, our marriage is far from perfect. We've got our problems too. But it's, it's intentional. We have to work at it. We've been working at this. And, and here's the thing that I know is when we do not work at it, I'll tell you what happens. When we don't work at it, it gets really ugly around our house. It gets ugly in, in our life and we get preoccupied. I get busy with all of this and I get preoccupied with the church and what's happening there. She can get preoccupied with the kids and all that's going on in their lives. But when we're working at it, and I'm talking about really working hard at it, then let me say this word, shaga, shaga. She, she says, I'm kind of like this. People ask how. She says it's more like this. operator that's what I'm talking about right there Shagah. I would even throw in one of these if I need to it takes a lot of work guys it doesn't just happen marriage is not easy Keeping that, that kind of shagah alive, it takes work. Let me give you some, just quickly some ways to invest in your marriage passionately. Start by getting transparent. Transparent. You have to, you have to open up. You, you have to share your feelings and your heart with your spouse. And for hope, this comes a little easier than it does for me. She could tell you that I struggle with this some. I, I have a tendency to keep some of these things inside. I have a trouble to, I have trouble not communicating with her at times. And she's like, you gotta share your feelings with me, not your thoughts. And I'm like, oh, okay, what are feelings again? What are those things? And, and I, I can struggle with it. But, but when I go there, listen, men, I have to intentionally go there. 
To get transparent with her. Sometimes it's easier for me to be more transparent with you than it is sometimes even with my own wife. I don't know why, but it can be that way. So I have to really work at this transparency. It's, and it's amazing whenever, whenever you work at the transparency, the intimacy that is had by that. Getting transparent. Here's another thing if you're taking notes. You have to decide to get alone. To get alone. And let me define what that means for some of you that may be struggling with what that means. What that means is you are alone and no one else is there. Including your phone. Some of you, you, you haven't been alone unless you're in the bedroom at night and it's time for bed. And let, let me tell you what you need to do. You need to lock the kids up and put them somewhere where they are safe. Put SpongeBob on if necessary. They will survive an hour or so without you. And it is amazing. Date her like you used to date her, gentlemen. Date her. While you were all in love before. Ladies, pursue him the way that you did when you first met him and loved him. When you dated, you were alone and you had that time. You have to get alone. Leave that phone off. Here's the third thing if you're taking notes is get spiritual. You want to get transparent, get alone, get spiritual. You want to know a part of intimacy is praying together. Is reading God's word together. I was so blessed the other day to hear from a couple that I've kind of been meeting with and, and, uh, and just been meeting with them. And I'd given them a book that I thought would help them. And, and the wife told me this, that, that, and I gave the book actually to the husband. But the wife said, we're actually reading this out loud together. And I thought, what a great idea. To read that together, and I thought that was so awesome. It's getting spiritual. It's making spiritual things a priority. You get spiritual, and here's what, what you might need to do. Get help. You might need to get help. If you're in trouble, you need to make an appointment this week with a Christian counselor. Do whatever it takes to get help. You get transparent. You get alone. You get spiritual. And, and you get help. And finally, I recommend, as God does, and, and He does this through the book of Proverbs and the Song of Solomon, for married couples, God recommends this to get naked. Okay? And I'm sorry if that embarrasses you, especially if you're a mama or a grandmama and she's here today. I told you this wasn't going to be her kind of message, right? Okay? But let's just remember something. Can we just say this? That, that God created sex. Right? God created sex. He's the one that thought it up for a husband and wife. It is a holy thing in his eyes. If you go back to the garden, you can take the get naked down because they're not going to hear anything else I said. Um, <laughs> he still has get naked up there. Right? I'm not hearing anything else that dude's saying. He said naked from the pulpit. By the way, I'm not explaining this point any further because if I need to, then, uh, then you need to go back to the one that said get help, okay? All right? I'm telling you, we should have a good offering today. We should take the baskets and pass them back up. Pastor Boyd said naked. Okay? All right? Seriously, do whatever it takes to keep a path far from her. God created sex. It's a holy thing for a husband and a wife. And it has to be guarded. We don't need to be ashamed to talk about this. In churches, we don't need to be ashamed to talk about it. God knows they're talking about it everywhere else in a way that is unholy. And so we need to talk about it and redeem it for what it was made for. By the way, that is more than just procreation. 
as you can see through this passage of Scripture where Solomon advises his young son to stay away from this adulterous woman, to be enraptured with the wife of his youth. And here's the final thing, okay? I want to encourage you to do this, to visualize the destruction and consequences. Visualize the destruction if you go down this road of sin. Do whatever it takes to visualize what it will cost you over the long haul. Proverbs chapter 5, and I'm just going to piece some verses together in this chapter. Here's what he says in verse 3. He says, For the lips of an adulteress drip honey, and her speech is smoother than oil. But in the end she is bitter as gall, sharp as a double-edged sword. Her feet go down to death. Can we just read this next part right here together? Her steps lead straight to the grave. And that may not be physically. It could be. But it could just be the death of your marriage. At the end of your life, you will groan. When your flesh and and body, they are spent. Verse 12. You will say, how I hated discipline. How my heart spurned correction. I would not obey my teachers or listen to my instructors. Look at verse 14. I have come to the brink of utter ruin in the midst of the whole assembly. Verse 21. Will you say this with me out loud? Verse 21. For the Lord sees clearly what a man does, examining every path he takes. So there is an accountability with God, right? Maybe living secretly at this point. In whatever is going, whatever it could be for you, but there is a spiritual accountability with God. What Solomon is trying to do is he's trying to get his son to visualize the consequences, to visualize this. Gentlemen, picture this with me, if you will, sitting down with your children and saying, kids, I love you so much, but here's the reason why I can't live here anymore. I've hurt your mother. So we don't like to think about that, do we? That hurts us to even think of having to say something like that. Or, or ladies, having to sit down with your kids and share something like this. And this is what I've done. This is how I've hurt your dad. This is what I've done. This is why I can't be here anymore. Or why he's leaving. Or, or whatever it is. It's so painful to even think about this. Solomon says what we have to do is we have to fast forward past the moment that we're caught up in and visualize the reality of what your decision really means. This decision you're making. Guys, I want to tell you, I've played this one out in my mind. In my mind, I've gone all the way with this of what would happen if I messed up like this. And we see it happening with pastors and we, we're heartbroken over it. And, but I've played this out in my mind. I'm sensitive to, the, to this because I, I've been on a staff where this has happened. I've seen this occur. And, and, but I've gone through this in my own mind. If I compromise my integrity, if I committed the sin of adultery against God and against my wife, here's what would happen hands down. I would, for starters, drag the name of Jesus Christ through the mud in this community. Right? That's what would happen for me, for starters. It probably wouldn't make the news or anything like that because I'm not that big a deal like some preachers are. But it certainly would be known in this community. The other night we went to my daughter's meet the parent night or, or meet the teacher, meet the parents. That's a movie. Meet the, meet the teacher. We didn't go to that. We went to uh, meet, the, meet the teacher and, and it's a new school. And we were walking through the school and it was just, 
on that night again reminded me of how interwoven within this community I am. It was, hey, Pastor Bart, Pastor Bart, you're here. What's going on, Pastor Bart? What's going on? And I was like, wow, man, I know a lot of people out here. And it was a sobering thought, too. So if I were to do this, this is for starters, what would happen? I I know so many folks out here. uh, I know many of you, they would. And and if I did this, people would whisper and gossip. Non-believers would say, see, there you go. There's another one. He did this too. And, and not only the shame of all that, but as the Scripture says, I would stand before God and I would give an account one day. I would give an account because the book of James, we learned, said that teachers are going to be held to a higher accounting, right? We see that in the book of James chapter 3. I would no longer be your pastor. What I've worked for my whole entire life. What God has invested within me and developed within me my whole life, all of that gone, the integrity that I have worked for and the authenticity in my relationship with God, all of that would be gone. I would likely never gain any of that back again, at least not for a long time. If I were ever allowed to go back into ministry years later, I would likely not have the same purity and anointing of what God, I believe, has given me today in the calling in my life. That would be gone and chances are I would never be able to recover professionally everything that I've been worked for or that I've worked for gone. Financially, it would wreck us. And that's the easy part. Here's the hard part. Is that I would devastate and crush the woman who has given me two incredible children and has sacrificed more than anyone else that I can think of who's sacrificed for a husband, who's loved me more than than anyone that I know, I would crush her heart. And the children that that I, and I say this very humbly, who look to me as a sincere man of God, not a perfect man, but a man that chases after God, their whole role model of what a man should be like, In a moment of foolishness, I would lose their respect, maybe for the rest of their lives. I've realized that I could very easily, in a a short time span, destroy a lifetime of something beautiful that God has built within my life and my family. It would wreck my life. It wrecks lives. It would wreck my life. It would wreck my family's life. It would wreck this church church would recover and would go on, but I've seen it happen in churches that it takes years to recover. When I think about that, I tremble at that. That holds me accountable. Solomon is saying, visualize that. You need to play that scenario out in your mind. Some of you are thinking, well, well but, but you don't know how much in love I am with this person. And he's going to leave his wife and we're going to go off together and we're going to be happy and we're going to be married happily ever after. You just don't know. We're so in love. All right, if you don't hear anything else, hear this. Let me give you the statistics. And you can kind of just put this in your pipe and smoke it today. You know what? Per- and we'll get on the, that stuff in a couple of weeks, okay? But, <laughs> you know what the percentage of people who actually marry their forbidden lover, do you know what that is? It's 3%. 3%. You know what percentage of those marriages end typically in divorce? 
So what are the odds of you marrying this person, the person that you love so much, and it being a long-lasting relationship, this extramarital relationship leading to that, 0.075%. Odds are not good, are they? You've based your life on a deception. It feels real, but it's not. Sure, it may not be easy and perfect back home, but you've entered into a covenant with God and a covenant with your spouse. And I know all of this is difficult and this is tough to talk about this. Here is the very final thing that I want you to get today. The good news about all of this is that even when we are unfaithful, God is always faithful. Amen? When we mess up, God is always faithful. No matter how bad we blow it, no matter how far we drift, His grace, His power, His goodness, His healing, it's always available to us. And I know that, I know that some of you have messed up, and, and this is a hard message for you to hear. Uh, according to statistics, there's a good chance that there may be many of you here today that this has been an area that you have suffered with or that you have made a mistake in. And here's what I want to say is that God's grace abounds beyond any of our sin, including this sin. His grace abounds. What God may be doing for some of us is bringing a tender conviction to our hearts today. And what some of us may, we may just need to repent We may just need to get right with God, get right with our spouse. And in your repentance, I want to encourage you to do this, though, to embrace his forgiveness and his grace. I've watched God heal some marriages that I thought there's no way that they're going to make it through this. But God in his power, I've watched him restore. And I know that the sin of adultery is biblical grounds for divorce unquestionably, but don't ever forget this. It is also biblical grounds for forgiveness. And I've watched God do that. So no matter what, no matter what sin it is that you're dealing with, whether it's this or maybe something so far that's different than what we're even talking about today, just know that God is faithful even when we're unfaithful. Can we just pray together? Let's pray about all this. Lord, I would just ask that your Holy Spirit would do a work, Lord, that only you can do today. And God, I just breathe in and out and acknowledge that there is just a lot of emotion in here right now. A lot of hurt, a lot of guilt and fear and betrayal and shame and worry and anger and bitterness. I just want to pray that as we continue to seek you, Lord, that that these things would be replaced with hope and faith and forgiveness and healing and restoration. Father, I ask that wherever there is sin, that your truth would reveal it and that things would be brought to light where they can be dealt with in honesty. Father, I pray for grace to abound. I pray for mercy. I pray for restoration of brokenness. And Lord, I want to thank you, Lord, for those today that have not committed adultery. And I I pray that whenever they start walking down these seductive steps, that your Holy Spirit would stop them immediately. God, that they would repent and that they would, 
would get help if necessary, that they would flee. Lord, I pray for those who are in the middle of this right now, in the middle of a temptation, or in the middle of the actual outright sin, and they're living in this right now. I pray, Father, there would be confession and repentance today. And that all of these potentially dangerous or outright sinful relationships, Lord, in your name, they would be severed immediately. Lord, for every marriage that is struggling, I just ask God that they would submit wholly unto you. Two people who are honoring their covenant vows and that there would be healing and transformation by the power of the risen Christ. And I ask it, Lord, for all those who believe. That it's possible. I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.